This is the Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9. This is the Anfield Wrap. I am Neil Atkinson. Steve Hoddersall's just vacated the studio. Opposite me is Rob Goodman. Um, Rob, how are you doing with all the football? Are you, are you, have you got a strategy? Have you got a plan? Have you got money invested anywhere? I mean, I'm intrigued <laughs> by that aspect. You're a, man, you're a man who loves a wager. I do like a wager. I was wagering last night, and this this cash-out thing they do in betting these days is a whole, whole world of uh, fascination for me. I ended up with a modest profit last night. Oh, did you indeed? I did. I said, modest. A 40, 40 necker. For strong word. It's a good, good modesty, I think. I think. I think more modest would be not to mention the size of the profit. <laughs> <laughs> the left hand oh, most well. definitely knows what the right hand's doing in Rob <laughs> Gutman's world. Oh, sorry. <laughs> full knowledge too, of too much information. <laughs> full knowledge of one another. Uh, we're going to get Mike Gillen to join us in part one with a bit of look from Brazil. Uh, in part two, we're hoping to have Christian Hahn from Germany to talk about uh, a wide variety of things, including Emre Jan. Part three is Ian McIntosh. I can vouch for part three. One, it definitely happens. Two, it's actually good. The reason why I know that to be the case is because I've um, basically uh, already recorded it. Uh, so that's, that's that's perfectly fine. Uh, opening question is the best thing you've eaten in, the, in a football ground. It's from at magic underscore mal. The best thing you've eaten in a football ground, Rob. What's the best thing you've ever eaten? Well, it's because of the age of the corporate hospitality, that's a... Uh... You know, there's some wide possibilities there. So the yeah, best, I mean, this is what I'm intrigued by, really. The best thing in that, being corporately hospitalised, whatever the word is, hospitalised, uh, I had a pink macaroon, the like of which I'd only ever had in French France. Really? It was it, that class? It was wonderful. But if we're talking about real football... Real football. Real football, like on an away day, I think it was at Villa, and it's a, a bowl tea pie. I've had them since, but they're very, very good. Are you, are a chicken you, bowl, a chicken bowl tea pie. Are you, are you, are you bang into them? Are you the Birmingham, yeah. the Birmingham offerings? Yeah, yeah, it's just fantastic. Do you know what about? I think that food wise in Birmingham, it seems to be a very practical, no nonsense approach, and fair play to them for it. Yeah. Um, all right, then we'll. What, uh, what about you? Mine, mine is in Australia, which is awful because it makes it sound as though I, I don't have a lovely, privileged lifestyle as well. <laughs> uh, mine is in Australia when we were at the at the, uh, the preseason tour last year. Um, and the quality of the food options in that ground was spectacular. You could also have a glass of white wine in your seat, and me and John Gibbons had many. Um, and we got a pulled pork with coleslaw sandwich, which was outrageously good. Like it was restaurant class. It was spectacular stuff. And you didn't at any point. It wasn't. It wasn't cheap, but it wasn't expensive. But you didn't resent the money. You know, often you pay the extra money. You feel as though you're in a sports stadium. You throw the money in, and you think. I've been ripped off. I most definitely did not feel ripped off at all. The key is is the effort you go to to procure it in the first place. Did you have to queue behind? Oh no, it was lovely. No, it was lovely. It was boom, but it was like a little post office EQ thing with no one in. So I was just going boom, 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 left, right, left, right, <laughs> shimmying through. Okay. Got me pulled pork, pork sandwich. Got another couple of uh, white wines with with tin foil on the top. Headed back down to the active zone, as it was wonderfully named in the uh, in the MCG, and we and we very much indulged. It was um, and it was me tea that night. We have a lot to learn. We do have a lot to learn. We think we, we think we know everything. We practically know nothing. This is the Anfield Wrap, and that should be our motto. City Talk one of five point nine. We're fortunate enough right now to be joined from uh, from Brazil. Uh, not as fortunate as he is to be there by Mister Mike Gerling, uh, Michael. Uh, can you hear Hello, me? Boys. Oh, splendid. Yeah. I'm so pleased by this turn of events. Um, how is it? I mean, you know, it's an obvious thing to say. I'm not going to ask you what the weather's like, but, you know, because I'm not me nan. But, you know, in, broadly speaking, how is Brazil? Well, first of all, the weather's nice. You know, it's got a cloud in the sky. It's very sunny. It's warm. But, um, no, it's it's great. It's, um, 
it's not. It, it's pretty much what everything that I expected and not what I expected. If that makes sense. What? What? what how? Uh, how? How hasn't it been what you expect? Well, I, I knew it would be like this huge sprawling metropolis. I'm in Sao Paulo. Okay? Yeah. Um, and it, and it truly is. It's enormous. I mean, I'm in. I'm still in a hotel, and if you go onto the roof, it's like the 26th floor, and you look out, or you can't. All you can see is is buildings for as far as I can see in every direction, and that's what a city of 20 million people looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, it's like it's like the first element. It's crazy. There's stuff going <laughs> off everywhere. It, it, there's, not, there's no order to it. There's no centre. Um, so yeah, that's just great. Interesting. What's, I mean, what's the general atmosphere about the place like at the moment? Are they just sort of just so excited to have the tournament? Is there, is the people have no, uh, just yeah, having a whale of a time? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing I didn't the thing I didn't expect really is um, a lot of the media's been about you know unrest over here, but there's none of that not here anyway. I haven't seen any you know in terms of protests. So whether that's just a, a media uh, amplification of small events elsewhere, but here. It's just everyone is just a pure party. I mean, it was a national holiday yesterday for the opening day. Really? And it was just every, yeah, everybody's in Brazil shirts and the whole every, the street. It's a carnival party. Parties everywhere. All the bars, you know, spilling out onto the streets and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'd like to think you're embracing the, the, the steps into bar culture spilling out onto the streets. I'm, I'm, I'm pacing myself. I'm here for... Um, <laughs> I mean, for like two weeks almost, so, you know, but it, yeah, I have embraced it wholeheartedly. I'm with gusto. Mikey G, it's Rob. Hi. Hey, Bruce. Hi, brother. <laughs> how's how's um, our, our Daniel Hunter, our expat mate who lives out there? How's he getting on? He's, uh, he, he's getting on very well. I mean, he's, uh, he's practically a Brazilian now. I've never seen him celebrate a Liverpool goal like he celebrated the Brazilian goals yesterday. Really? This is Ladytron's Danny Hunt, Liverpool band Ladytron. Well, I mean, this is, that's one of the reasons yeah. you're out there, isn't it, Mike? I mean, Dan's putting, and this is one of the things I wanted to talk about, he's actually putting Liverpool bands on in Sao Paulo, isn't he? That's right, yeah. I mean, the zeal of the convert, that's what, that's what that celebration is all about. But anyway, yeah, he's, um, he's got, we've got uh, Dave McCabe, Dan Kroll, uh, Chris, set from Silent Sleep, and the few others over here, and there are a number of um, band nights like which in, in partnership with the British Consulate to do with Liverpool and football and music uh, in some really nice little pop-up venues and um, there's another one I think McCabe's playing tonight um, and Dan played the night before last are, are, are people are, are Brazilian people getting on board with this or have you mostly got people who are over there anyway and, and, and they're looking for something to do no no definitely I mean it's such I mean this place is enormous it's hard to explain how big it is but um but there is certainly, you know, there's enough, there's every cultural, you know, nuance that you could imagine here. And so there's certainly people, there's, I mean, for instance, yesterday, the bar I was in yesterday watching the match, there was plenty, there was loads of Liverpool shirts in there, local Brazilian Liverpool fans. So um, maybe that's why we ended up there. That's probably why Danny picked it. But um, there's, yeah, so there are there are lots of people, lots of student types get onto it, you know, into that, 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 that kind of, that, that cultural side of it, yeah. And that, so that, so you were able to be there for the match last night. Did they take it as you know? They, I mean, obviously it wasn't a, it wasn't a terrific performance, but a win's a win. The attitude there, as the attitude embraced that there, that sometimes you just got to get through the opening game, or are people beginning to be mildly concerned? I'll be honest with you, they just party from start to finish. It's, it's a completely different approach to watching the match. You know, it, it sounds like a cliche. You see, like you know, you watch the crowd at a game and they're just having a great time. 
it's pretty much like that, regardless. You know, even when they scored first, they were like, oh, no. But then they were fine and partying again. And then it just went crazy. And then whenever Brazil scored, there's like a million fireworks exploding. They seen from every corner and back garden that was near us. And um, they don't really care whether it was a penalty or it wasn't a penalty. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's a level of... A level of detail they're just not interested in. That I didn't. To be uh, dispassionate about it, Mike, I'd, Brazil weren't very good, really, were they? What do you yeah. think? Well, well, no, I thought they were rubbish. I thought it was like watching yeah. Tranmere or something. Not that I know. Sorry, Tranmere. Do you but, think um, England? Eng, if if, if we, England were playing and had a good manager, they would have anything to fear with the squad that they have. I don't. I don't see. I don't see uh, pound I for pound, player for player, a big difference. No, I think that, that to be fair, though, first game tournament at home yeah. there's a lot of pressure on them I guess so you know that's probably a monkey off their back to have won that one but yeah. Croatia are a good side as well they're, they're easily the most difficult team in their group that they'll face so um, I think they um, more in midfield they did, they did reasonably well yeah 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 they had yeah. more in midfield than Brazil like, didn't they yeah I think so but I'll be honest like you say in terms if you're looking for a um, a local reaction to the detail of the game you're not going to get it here <laughs> they're just partying because they won they don't care really Okay, okay, Mike. Um, basically, what what games are you going to before we let you go? What games have you, uh, have you got to look forward to? Well, I'm in Sao Paulo, so I'm not moving out of Sao Paulo. Um, I believe KW's John Gibbons actually got in to the opening game last night. By the way, he did. Yes. Yeah, I know. So, uh, well, well done him. But uh, we're going to go to Uruguay, England on the 19th. So I'm looking forward to that. Uruguay, England on the 19th. Yeah, so that's a Don't get battered. And then I'll see, I'll see what we can pick up in between now and then that's being played here. Excellent. Okay, then. That's Mike Gerling calling us very kindly from Sao Paulo. Mike, get back out there. Get back in those bars. See the way in which that goes. Do the it's... show, Mike. <laughs> Go the whole hog. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks for taking the time. I love the slight delay there. It felt very, very, very 1978. I don't know about you. I honestly, I, I wanted I, more personally, Neil. I yeah. needed more. You needed I wanted more. some echo. You wanted echo. You wanted you wanted slightly more crackle. Yeah. That's what Brazil sounds like at the moment. Um, it's. I mean, it's. It does feel right, doesn't it? The World Cup being in Brazil, the kickoff times help hugely. Right now, as we're talking, in Mexico playing Cameroon, it remains nil nil. Um, there's basically just loads of lads running backwards and forwards. If you're if you're looking for analysis of the game so far, but it does feel sort of right. The um, the the World Cup being in Brazil, it feels like the World Cup should be in Mexico. It should be in Brazil. It should be effectively somewhere hot, three to five hours behind us. Yeah, I, with the with the the. the cloud the storm that's over FIFA at the moment in their selection process and Qatar and all that at least it's in the home of football you know we England laughably well not laughably they call themselves the home of football Brazil feels like the home of international football and it's wonderful that it's there we talked about the pressure on the Brazilian players uh, anyone who watched them in the t- on the TV close up in the tunnel yesterday would understand what and the way they belted out their national anthem would know what pressure looks like that was something quite spectacular. That show of national... I don't know if it was a show of nationalistic fervour or pride or it was uh, a release. It was very, very emotional to watch. It was. It feels like a big deal. It obviously is a huge deal for these players. It actually reminded me... The thing that, that I took from it was... It actually reminded me of us versus Sunderland. <laughs> you know when that was the first time they welcomed the coaching this season and it was huge, the home game. Oh, the midweek game, The, yeah. mid game, the, t- yeah, the yeah. midweek game, the 2-1, wherein nothing... Everything felt stuttering. They felt like an opposition that was quite well drilled and nothing felt quite right. And that there was such a weight on it because that had been the first time we played at home for three, four games. We'd mm. had, the, they had this run of away games. And it looked like, and then after that, everyone got their head sorted. 
yeah. the next the remaining home games the rest of the season the players responded to what was going on even the Chelsea game they didn't seem almost as nervous as they did for the Sunderland one they True. didn't seem quite as knocked aside by what had gone on and you feel as though they'll be better next time Brazil in terms of processing what's going on relaxing with it and using it as a force for good and not just some because I thought Liverpool were, were, were powered by the crowds against City against Spurs yeah. they were powered by it rather than it being a, a bit of a drain whereas against Sunderland it did feel like it was a bit of pressure Yes, and we are talking about Brazil primarily. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know. I think you know the, the interesting thing about about Brazil is they were affected by the atmosphere and the pressure, but at the same time, I I've got serious questions about the quality there because I, I look at Neymar, who's flattered to deceive. I know he's in theory the next world's best player within the next three years. But you've got a player like Paulinho who struggled to keep his place in the Tottenham side as a major major player in midfield and. Fred up front, and you, you just look through the team. Alves, who looks a spent force, regardless of what we think about how Brazil will deal with the pressure, uh, the pressure and what have you, are they actually good enough to to be one of the best teams in this tournament, or are they are they primarily focusing on having a home advantage and b climactic advantage? Without without those things, would they be about fifth favourites by now? That, that that that's what I think. I'd agree with that. I think it's it's what fascinates me is, you know. You mentioned it there with uh, with Mike on the on 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 the England thing. If if England were managed by practically anybody else, you would almost be at this point feeling as because it's so wide open, you would be feeling as though they could really do something. They've got one of the best centre forwards in the tournament. They've got four or five players who are expert between the lines. They've got a good goalkeeper. A couple of questions knocking around the defence, and that's fair enough. But there's questions knocking around absolutely everybody. And tomorrow, there's every chance that five or six Liverpool players play. Yeah, in this World Cup, the best players in this World Cup either play for the top four in the Premiership, the top two in Spain, or the top one in Germany. We know what's going on here. We can we can actually match these boys player player for player. And when you look at that England team and you go, England's second place side who missed out by a, sh- a tiny portion uh, are the core of the England side. There is actually little excuse for England to not actually be a serious force in this tournament. And as you said, it's an, it's an historic thing to have five, uh, approximately five uh, Liverpool starters. This is something from a local perspective we should stand back and celebrate. It's indicative of the development, by the way. Cameroon have just scored to make it 1-0 unless it's been, it's been ruled out as offside. OK, then. Uh, that was live commentary, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Can I, I add another local that. starter, by the way? Sorry, I'm talking Go from on. a totally parochial Liverpool it's FC fine. point of view. But um, Adelaide and Baines and the possibility of Ross Barkley, we're talking six or seven out of out of ten outfield players could be, could be play for clubs in this region it, it's a really an amazing thing and uh for, for regardless of the the uh unspoken Roy Hodgson factor it's hugely unspoken it's, it's, so it's, far. It's, it's something the city needs to make, maybe take a step back from and feel really a great degree of degree of pride over I won't be doing that it's all right for everybody else can to do I do so. it? you can do it yeah okay. yeah you take your step back you enjoy yourself you get your feet up and relax <laughs> you and your step back you and your step back if that's what you feel as though you need uh, the rest of us will just deal with it. I mean it is a shit it is actually actively a shame about Hodge and I've had this conversation with a few people just simply because this feel, it does actually feel like putting aside almost the Merseyside bias in there they actually feel like a Liverpool side you could get behind Sorry, an England side you could get behind. You could True. genuinely get behind them. It's the Hodgson factor that makes it hugely problematic because obviously you'd, you'd hope he never won a Tom Bowler for the rest of his life. Oh, cruel fate, hey! But you know it is. It is frustrating because these are you know these are really there's a series of really good interesting like I mean I'm including players like Oxley Chamberlain in this who are who are exciting young vibrant footballers and yet you know they're, they're obviously what what will happen I'm going to make my prediction now before we go to the break and you can agree or disagree. Do you remember under Hodgson hmm. when? Uh, as a Liverpool supporter, you turn up to the ground and for 15, 20 minutes, we'd be good. There'd be 15, 20, the first 15, 20 minutes, we'd be good. And if we didn't score and then the opposition created a chance, it'd be bump. Everyone drops 30 yards. Mm. 
all this movement that they've been, everyone just gets fixed positions. Yeah. Everyone suddenly plays safe, and that'll that's what'll happen to England. They'll yeah. be good, and then they'll be fit, they'll be good for fifteen minutes, and then if they don't score, and it's the either score or create a good chance, bump everything will come back, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you look at this wealth of pace and dynamism. Even uh, you know, I think locally we'd malign Danny Welbeck a bit too much, but I think right. Danny Welbeck—he's a decent player. But you look at Welbeck, Sturridge, Sterling—that's uh, enormous amount of pace in defensive positions. With R- Rooney, despite despite the, the, the fad for criticising him, with him and Lalana, it's an enormous amount of guile as well behind uh, to go along with that pace and. You know, Gerard and Henderson, it's a dream centre mid. What what is there not to like there? But unfortunately, as you say, there is that 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 reining in of that unbridled talent and it's a it feels like a really cruel joke, doesn't it? It does feel like a cruel joke. And the other thing I'd always say is the thing that John Rogers once said on this show, which he said only one team can win the World Cup. And if you accept that only one team can win the World Cup, and this is my frustration, it's long been my frustration with England anyway, but you might as well go and be the best possible version of yourselves. Mm. That won't happen here. I'd be I'd be stunned if it did. This is City Talk on a five point nine. After the break, we've got Christian Hahn talking about uh, about aspects to do with German football, Germany in this year's World Cup. I'm Ray John. Then after that, we've got Ian McIntosh. Going anywhere would be a profound mistake. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk one hundred five point nine. It is the Anfield Wrap City Talk one hundred five point nine. We're joined now by Christian Hahn, who's the author of a book he's just handed me a copy of which is utterly fascinating and it's got me and Gutman very very excited indeed hasn't it yes. on uh, pa- <laughs> patches from Eintracht Frank- Frankfurt throughout the history that it will be sewn onto primarily denim uh, Rob the uh, absolutely terrific but before we it's a denim clad book which is it is a denim clad book uh, uh, Christian we've got Christian here um, what's the best thing you've ever eaten in a football ground and you've been to lots of football grounds I think the best thing I've ever eaten at a football ground were potato fritters in Cologne at the end of the 90s why were they so good they were just hot and it was a freezing November night. And I normally would not eat potato fritters at home because the kitchen smells for, for weeks. But I eat it there at the stadium. I never saw it anywhere else in the stadium in Germany. You're familiar but, with the English chip, yes? Yeah. The French fry, if you will. Yeah, yeah. No, how but, how but, close but, is a potato fritter to a chip? Far away from that. Far away? Yeah, okay. really far away from that. It, it comes with hot apples. Oh. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Almost, almost like a strudel cooking yeah, that's, thingy. This R is what people say when I tell them what I've eaten in England. Oh. <laughs> that's what they say. I know that R. <laughs> now I see where we're going. You've got it. I mean, you've written, uh, we've got the book here, which is full of these patches. It's, it's no longer in print or in denim. I've been informed by Sam, which is uh, vaguely, vaguely sad. I mean, these. why did you decide to sort of catalogue? You, you support Eintracht Frankfurt. You're from Frankfurt, so you've catalogued these, but it, why did you feel as though they needed to be catalogued? Uh, in, in real life, I'm, I'm a designer and I run an office for the culture of remembrance together with a historian. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I do in in real life in work life yeah. every day and since since I have a big heart of football for football um I decided to do this because they get lost no, nobody not even in Germany I know the jokes about Germany but not even in Germany people go to the stadium with jeans wests anymore yeah and so um they they kind of get lost and so I thought I categorize them and and, and keep them for uh, people who go, start to go to well, the stadium now they they don't know it I mean, they're hugely varied. There's one here that's got the background of a Germany flag, an English flag, a Ghanaian flag, an Austrian flag, a Dutch flag, and a Switzerland flag. There's yeah. another one which has got... Um... That's about the, the players we had at that time. Yeah. Okay, there's one here which is with a, what effectively looks like an angry chicken uh, <laughs> holding a flag. Um the place for Newcastle. Yeah, that's, a, that's what we're called, the Eagles, and that's, that's, a, that's an eagle. a badly drawn eagle. It's all right, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, no one's, no, no one's criticising anybody here. Uh, there's one that's no, the back I, of a I Union Jack. I think a funny, a funny thing about... the English player that you had? 
at that time. Who was the English player? Um, um was the guy named player Yaboa? Yeah, Yaboa played for us. Yeah, that's right. I don't think we had an English Tony. player. It's maybe also maybe it's a fan club tournament we held at that time, and the patches from that. Okay, just something. Yeah, Tony Tony Yaboa played for Antrack Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Yeah. I know, I know, I know all my Tony Yaboa facts. I'm yeah, very, very yeah. good. Who's this chap? Well, the sort of gathering his fist. Yeah, I think it since it comes from the rocker culture, it sums up. It just seems to be a, a badly looking guy impressing other teams. <laughs> well, you said you said this before. This is where I mean, different bits of football sort of meet different bits of culture, and you you know you've said that a lot of this comes from sort of a, a, a rocker culture within Germany. You know, the idea of, of wearing double denim, of getting these things, getting them sewn on. Is that you know is that where most of these do come from? Yeah, that's where most of these come from. It's it it also reaches back to a time when you couldn't buy hundreds of different articles at the local club store and so either you had a, a grandma or a mother who who made you a scarf or you just wore one of these vests and had fan club patches on it that you like traded American to clubs. other yes <laughs> that you traded yeah. to other fan clubs it, it, it's just about showing your passion and it, that wasn't that easy in the 70s like it is today it seems to us from afar in England that uh, German football was one big Iron Maiden, uh, Iron Maiden concert for, for an entire generation <laughs> yeah. in a good way uh, uh, <laughs> like, like this without uh, without Stephen Harris playing bass <laughs> um, I, I mean, apologise uh, you've got a website which is full of you going to grounds taking photographs of the of the grounds that you've been to and you know you want to capture these things as well the website I'll read it out as best I can in fact I might just spell it it's P-L-A-T-Z B-E-S-I-C-T C-H-T-I-G U-N-G dot D-E I'll get the Anfield that's app excellent oh, that's God. pronounced Platz Besichtigung uh, yeah I felt like it was, it was fan, fantastic there on the um, say it Platz Besichtigung dot day Platz Besichtigung that's right Platz Besichtigung dot day um, very very good Rob it means pitch inspection what, what, what makes you want to capture these things as well is this just part of wanting to catalogue as well you know what, what football pitches look like now yeah, it's it's a lot of a lot of these grounds are gone. It's not only uh, stadiums from professional football. It's, it's also, yeah, it's amateur stuff as well. Yes, it's also amateur stuff. Uh, lots of and yeah, these these some lots of these 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 stadiums and and pitches are just gone, and the idea is to capture it. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to Germany in this year's World Cup. Then there's a lack of forward option. There's options there. There's a load of lovely players. What do you what, what do you think? I, I think there is. There's a load of lovely footballers. Yeah. I mean, Thomas Muller's practically the perfect human, let alone the perfect footballer. <laughs> Apart uh, from his face, well, especially <laughs> his face. Let's well, not, you don't get far on this show slagging Thomas Muller off. I'll let you know that now, Christian. <laughs> uh, I mean, the starting eleven. It's the only worry's got to be that it'll be a bit toothless. There's not that. There's not that centre forward there to, to to do the business for Germany. Yeah, I think we have we have closer, and that might be enough. I mean, if, if he's I've, older than Rob. <laughs> he is. He is yeah, if if I would Badolsky be Joachim Löw, too. if I would be Joachim Löw, I would take closer to the tournaments until he's seventy, just to <laughs> ju- just to scare the other teams. I mean, is he, is he your Inzaghi? You know, the guy who's just always going to score yeah, the he, goal. Yeah, he's he's Inzaghi without the stupid goal celebration. <laughs> it's, uh, what, what, what to start an eleven there? Then will closer start? Do you think, or will he just have him coming off the bench? I think I think it depends a bit on who we play. I think in some games he will start. Otherwise, we will just start without a strike and have. Uh, All the movements. Müller or Götze uh, struggling Sch- around in the in the front. Yeah, Sch- uh, Schürrle as well, maybe. Schürrle maybe, but he's he's Schürrle. more he's more like Schürrle, Schürrle and Podolski are more like wingers. Does Draxler play we, up front sometimes? He 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 can do too. Yeah, we have so many we have Drexler. so many really really good players in the offensive part of the game. So that's why the pressure on the team is really high in Germany. Everybody expects is it? Is the loads of pressure on Germany in Germany? Because yeah. it's, I think it's been lessening around the rest of the world. But in Germany, is there an expectation that they're going to at least make the last eight, maybe even really genuine? 
new in the challenge. Yeah, I think in the last 10 tournaments or so, there was only been twice that we did not reach the last four or, or three times we did not re- reach the last four. And so, and that was mostly with players who simply denied football, who were more athlete than, athletes than players. So um, I think the in, in Germany, we know that this is really a golden generation. We have lots of good players, but... Yeah, so so the pressure is high for them to win something at least. Okay. Can, I, can I ask you a question? But can I just say that Mexico have had now two goals disallowed wrongly for offsides in this game? But go on, Rob. Oh, the humanity! Yeah. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> ref, referees at the game. <laughs> but it's an incredible thing about German football. I suppose Italian football there's parallels as well. That despite the the ebb and flow of the Bundesliga status, you know, from being really at a pinnacle in the in the seventies and maybe good in the early eighties, and its fall away and some revivals. The German national team has this cons- this constant this constant presence at the final stages of the big tournaments. You know, it's baffled the English for years. This <laughs> they think the Germans must have something magical going on in the water, but it doesn't affect the Bundesliga. So it's clearly a, a silly, quasi racist paradigm. Why why is the German national team special and the German league perhaps more not, inconsistent? Not, yeah, more inconsistent. I think. Maybe maybe it's just would would you like to play Germany in a big tournament? No. Yeah, never. that's yeah, that's probably that's probably you a big it's part of it. Mythology. Yeah, it's it's probably a big part of it. And I think we always we we always had good players. That's <laughs> there's always at least been a strong eleven, a strong yeah. thirteen, yeah. a couple from the bench. Very, very quickly before we, we go into the break and then we come back with an interview with Ian. Uh Emre John, um I mean ultimately very, very quickly, one, how good is he? You'll have seen him much more than us, and two, how good can he become? I think he's already very good, and he become he can become even better. And I'm not saying this be, because he's on. from he's from Frankfurt, like I am, and I go to the same news agent like, like his father. Is is he's really he's I think he's really good. He can play on a lot of different positions, and he's uh, I think he should have played at the World Cup already. Why this did Bayern let him go? They made a mistake. I think so, yeah. And yeah. I think so. Leverkusen made a mistake to let him go. He he didn't get much time to play at Bayern, so he went to Leverkusen. Sure. He played a good season there, I think. And uh, I was surprised to see that they let him go. Yeah, well, I don't think they had a choice. Where, where, where's he really at his best? Is he uh, you know holding midfielder or left back? Where does he look look, look brightest? I, I see him in the midfield, but he. I think he can play a lot of different positions, but I see him best in the midfield. And that, he's tall, to... he's quick, and he looks. Like, can he attack? He can he attack properly, or is he a defensive midfield guy? He's he's a defensive midfield guy, but I'm sure he could play that. He 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 was the captain of all the German national youth teams, and I think he's really really good. It's exciting talk. It is. <laughs> some of the, some of the, I'm very excited. Some of the clips I sort of thought, thought his attacking defensive thing reminds me of Dietmar Hermann, who started, who was a very attacking uh, in the early phase of his career, and then became a fantastic defensive midfielder. Are there any parallels there, or am I just being lazy because he's German? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think um, the thing about him is that he's really, really well educated. He belongs to that now young generation where the, where the education in German football um, differed. Started yeah. to become to become different. Post sort of uh, two thousand and two onwards. Yeah, and uh, I think he, if if Brendan Rodgers decides to let him play in the offensive midfield, I think he could do that too. He'll just yeah. he'll just pick that up as well. Yeah. So very very quickly before we let you go, Christian, uh, which grounds are you looking to visit next? I, I just got an invitation to Azerbaijan from the Azerbaijan Football Association. I really would like to see Tehran. But since I'm in England, I probably go to Elland Road next week. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening at Elland Road next week? Nothing. I just want to see the ground if it's a summer break. But I'm, I'll be I'll be in Yorkshire and 
I might go to Elmrod. I've never been there, and I just want to see the ground. Splendid stuff. This is the Anfield Wrap <laughs> on City Talk 105.9. Enjoy the rest of this World Cup coming up after the break. Thanks so much to Christian. Thanks to Rob. Thanks to Sam for rushing Christian in and bringing him from London. After the break, it's me talking to Ian McIntosh about what looks like an exceptionally exciting tournament. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to part three of the Anfield Wrap. Neil Atkinson here. As I said to you a second ago, this is a pre-record. If I can just quickly plug our online magazine, uh, the Anfield Wrap, off the basis of the fact that it's terrific. Uh, you might want to have a little look at that if you like this sort of nonsense. But uh, with me now on City Talk 105.9 is, is a proper writer, a grown-up writer. Uh, Ian McIntosh is joining us to give his impressions and expectations of what's to come over the next four weeks in the World Cup and just generally have a have a wider chat. But before we get into that, Ian, what's the, uh, what's the best thing you've ever eaten in a football ground? Best thing I've ever eaten? At South End, there was a guy who used to sit in the South Stand upper and they'd bring a Tupperware container full of sausages and his own homemade barbecue sauce and he'd just sort of hand them out. It was in the, I'd say in the days when we weren't very good. We're, we're, we're not very good. Um, but it was, it was a particularly low time. I think it was about 2000, 2001 when you only ever get about 3,000 fans. So he, he didn't have to make that many sausages, in fairness, to, to pretty much get all of the people around him fed. They to, were great. To cater, to cater for the masses. What's the best thing you've ever, <laughs> ever bought or been given other than, you know, yeah, I think I feel outside, outside food is almost cheating. Certainly home made condiments seem wild <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm quite lucky because uh, I've spent a lot of time at Arsenal and Chelsea and Tottenham uh, in the press boxes there and the Chelsea press lounge it, it really is just something else it's like you know how you get a buffet at a friend's wedding and then you get a really, really good buffet, a really rich friend's wedding. And then if you sort of times that by 10, you have the, the Chelsea buffet. It's kind of squid and chorizo, uh, chorizo salad. It's um, really? individual tubs of ham terrine with that funny yellow layer of fat on the top. Do, do, do you feel the catering in London clubs is, is, is a level above the catering and say that, you know, the more northern cl- clubs in the Metropolitan, you know what I mean? Is the, is, is, is the London Metropolitan, is it, is it nailed the catering? Well, apparently Manchester City's got a great reputation. I haven't actually covered a game up there, but they are they are the talk of the press lounge. But I've worked in uh, the North East for two and a half years, and Newcastle and Sunderland, it was pretty much week in, week out, an undisclosed meat product curry. It just said curry, and I, it, it makes me nervous when it doesn't <laughs> specify which animal it's come from. Did you eat it? Of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good God, I'm a growing man. Growing rapidly outwards, admittedly, but... <laughs> Oh right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bear that in mind. I think that this is something that we might have to look into. I also love the fact that this is probably the number one topic of conversation amongst the press. Not the football, not the writing, no other aspect. Who's doing the best lunches? It, it really is. A, there's a kind of constantly ebbing and flowing league table of press facilities for uh, Manchester City, Chelsea, and Arsenal swap places, much as they did this season in the real title. <laughs> just just knocking knocking lumps out of each other at the top of that particular chart. Um, <laughs> I mean, this. I'm so excited about this World Cup. I really am. I'm stupidly excited because, basically, for a variety of reasons, I think we can almost go through them. Those kickoff times are fabulous. Yeah, they're they're beautifully suited as well. Um, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to have an employer who's going to let you get out of the office at about four o'clock, if you've got flexi time and you can start a little bit early, then then you can actually get through this entire tournament without really missing a game. It, it is. It's. It's. I can't quite believe how it's come together. It almost feels. It almost feels too perfect. I'm. I'm convinced there's going to be a catch somewhere. <laughs> like there's going to be one that's from nowhere going to kick off at one p.m. I mean, it's just absolutely all of them open themselves up. And the, but the other thing is as well, 
it's the group stage games. There's so many. We're talking. Uh, we're talking whilst Mexico are playing Cameroon. But at eight o'clock tonight is last year's. Is it, sorry, is 2010's final kicking off? Yeah. You know, it's it's. Uh, there's so many. There's so many games in the group stages that have. And both of those sides have got to go on to play a really interesting Chile team. There's just this endless number of fascinating football matches. It's, it's brilliant because you've got three hideously difficult groups in uh, Group B with Spain, Holland, Chile, and Australia. Group D, England's group, and Group D with Germany, Portugal, Ghana, and USA. But all the rest. They're so open. I mean, there's not really... You've got teams like Iran, who are particularly poor and haven't had the best of preparations. But but there's so many teams who are so evenly matched. And even when you look at the top, I mean, there, there were obvious expectations for Brazil. Um, they've had a lot of time to work under Scolari. They've got the home backing and the home support, and it kind of feels written in the stars. But player for Certainly player... Certainly not... like that. Yeah. <laughs> They can bring a few more refs along with that. They'll be absolutely fine. But I mean, player for player, they're, they're not noticeably better than anyone else. Um, certainly not noticeably better than Argentina, who have their own problems with Messi having, by his standards, a fairly subdued season. And um, so it, it just it feels like a really, really open tournament. It does. I mean, that, that that's what's grabbed me as well about it is that I find, and I, I think it's actually been priced up by the bookmakers quite oddly, that appear to have just sort of committed to the being four favourites and then given everyone else quite long odds. I don't know, for instance, why you think that Germany are that much better than France, uh, to be brutally honest with you. And I think if those two faced each other, it'd be a terrific game. I, I can't really call it at all. You can see, and this is the key thing, everyone's got holes. I think it could be the most interesting in an open tournament since going back years. 2006 was a bit interesting and open. But apart from that, you know, everyone expected Spain to win the last two Euros and the last World Cup. Before then, 2002, you expected the Brazilians to, to, to triumph with, that, with what they had in attack. 98, France were the, you know, they were the, they were the hosts. It's, it, even 94 was a Brazil-Italy final. It just doesn't seem like, you know... Anything's anything's as straightforward as you think, Ian? No, you've got teams who can come out of... Well, I say come out of nowhere. We've had so much time to think about it. But Chile, um, who will be playing um, very late tonight against Australia, they're really one to watch out for. Um, They're a a very inventive, very attacking team. Um, You've got Belgium, who everyone's been talking about for absolutely ages, absolutely loaded with players, none of whom are fullbacks, interestingly. Um, They've got a real deficiency of fullbacks in that team. And France, as you mentioned... Uh, the most fascinating thing there is that Didier Deschamps has pretty much stripped the team of all the difficult players. Yeah. And the last one remaining, who he had to take because he's one of the best players in the world, Frank Ribéry, has pulled out with injury at the last minute. So what you've actually got, bizarrely for France, is quite an agreeable, likeable French side. There's no huge personalities who seem likely to cause the kind of problems that they had last time. And if you've seen them in warm-up, and it's dangerous to read too much into warm-ups, but I saw them against Norway, um, and Anton Griezmann in particular, um, really impressive, just really expressive, entertaining side. And they're in a relatively straightforward group as well with uh, Ecuador, Switzerland and Honduras. I quietly fancy Switzerland to also maybe shake things up a little bit. If Again, the, the slightly, they've got this last game, I think, against uh, against Honduras and Manaus, which may not be great for them, given that the, 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 the fact that the Ecuadorians will be in better shape for the conditions. But if they can get themselves a point against France, then you'd, you'd, you'd really strongly fancy them to do something. And that's another example of just how open we're saying it. Everywhere you look, I mean, I did a predictor thing today and I, I've actually, I've, I've gone for it. I've got Chile knocking Brazil out in the second round. I'm, I'm all in and if that game happens it will be anyway it'd be just such a fantastic game of football and you feel the Chileans owe the Brazilians one yeah absolutely because Chile started so well in 2010 um, before being put out um, 
put out that way. Um, but yeah, they're they're just a very exciting team. They won't let up, and they'll they'll watch that Brazil game with interest if if it does come to pass that they meet in the second round. They'll have uh, they'll found weak spots that they can exploit there. Yeah, they, they will. Have done, there's lots of lots of little clashes of styles as well going through the tournament, and I think that that's one of the more interesting things about it is that there seems, you know, it's the, the, Germany are trying to do this mad false nine thing, and then they're up against the fact that uh, Portugal will absolutely load it with forwards um, in terms of uh, getting people around Ronaldo. There's lots and lots of this sort of stuff going on, which again, a couple of years ago, it just sort of felt like everyone was 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 trying to uh, play one way, and then there was the Spanish doing weird Spanish things, and it didn't seem, you know, you didn't it didn't seem quite. As electric or intriguing on that score yeah absolutely and I think in sort of support that point you look at the way Croatia approached the game now in, in tournaments gone by Croatia might have thought right we're up against the hosts they've got loads and loads of amazing players let's just load up the midfield and, and shut everything down um, but instead of pulling in workmen like defensive midfielders they, they essentially had three number 10s in there Rakitic, yeah. Modric and uh, I can never say Kovacic is it Kovacic? Oh, sorry, Kovacic. Sorry, Perisic plays the yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, Kovacic. Yeah. yeah, and Perisic coming in now. But they were all creative, um, attacking, entertaining, ball-playing footballers. Um, it was like Croatia just went, no, no, we're, <laughs> we've read the script. We don't think too much of it. We're going to make a few changes here. Um, and had it not been for some of the refereeing decisions towards the end, I think they certainly would have got a draw out of it. Yeah, and again, that makes you think that they can they, they can go and do something as well. It's it's where this battle's going to be, going to be won and lost, really. I, I still think that it's going to be, and this is one of the the interesting things about the the English team. Even though I'm I'm half trying to not talk about them anymore, is uh, <laughs> is that England have fa- sort of found themselves with the third or fourth. You know, you'd argue the third or fourth best number nine in the tournament, and I think you know that that should really count for something. And because there doesn't the one thing that there appears to be a shortage of in in, in a lot of the, the the leading contenders is a really good fit number nine. Yeah, uh, so many goals coming from attacking midfield, from second strikers, from inside forwards and things like that. But if Sturridge can carry the form of last season into the tournament, then then he could really make a name for himself. I mean, the, the Germans haven't got one at all. Um, you know, the, Ronaldo comes off the front. Fred, you know, he's not a he, he, he's not he's ultimately not that good. He might suit Brazil, or they're trying to make him suit Brazil, but he's fundamentally not that good. And the cover for him is Joe, which is just a bit mad. Um, <laughs> you think they'd surely have someone better? Uh, you know, you, you go through you go through each of these sides. Even Spain have got injury question marks around Costa, who's impressed. There just doesn't quite seem to be that's the the one thing that the tournament maybe doesn't have is it's obvious it's obvious golden boot. It doesn't have a Ronaldo, it doesn't have its close closer. It doesn't seem to have that obvious sort of that lad who is going to basically lead the line, get on the end of things. Even someone like Mario Gomez. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a few from some of the uh, less fancy teams that might be worth a look. Obviously, with Benteke injured for Belgium and Lukaku, you would expect to to get, to those get games. a good run in the team. Um, it, depending on what Portugal do with Ronaldo, they, they tend to put Postiga up front as a kind of Trojan horse in the hope that the <laughs> defenders will just sort of look at him and get distracted and <laughs> lull them into a false sense of security. Um, so it'd be fascinating to see what happens there. And of course, Neymar's already got himself a decent start. He's got a third of the goals he usually required to win the golden boot in his first game. Yeah, he's got the, he's got them absolutely nailed, despite a penalty that went in, in about at about three miles an hour. Um, yeah, how did that go in? Because he seemed to have it absolutely covered. It, it didn't pass through his fingertips. It passed through the palms of his hands. It was it was um, it was the sort of goalkeeping performance that really you know I'd like to think that there's now loads and loads of jokes going around Croatia via text message about. <laughs> 
they'd have been better off with Michael Stipe, Pletikosa, things like that. I'd like to think that all that sort of shot round Croatian mobiles at a hundred miles an hour, or, or, or you know, it, this is now this is now a running joke. It, 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 it's already gone off. I, I mean, I thought it was the sort of performance, and it's the one thing you shouldn't do. But it's the sort of performance where you're looking at the number two in training, going, "Have some shots at him." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It, it wasn't really. I mean, just with the hands here, there's some Marty McFly thing going on there, isn't there? There's a picture of Stipe Politico's family fading into the background. <laughs> yes. His hands gradually lose their sense of superstructure. <laughs> yes. yeah, there's a movie to be made there. The Croatian film industry's got the resources. We can get this done. We can get this done. We can go and get a big meeting. I mean, so what? What are you looking forward to the most? Then, what's the thing that? What's, what's the thing that's got you the most excited? Do you know, it's. I think it's the sense that there isn't any one thing that's got me excited. I don't know if it's doing this job, you try and disassociate yourself from England, because I, I don't write for an English paper. I always write for, for foreign clients. So I try and disassociate myself from it. But this year, it just feels like England, it's not the be-all and end-all. They're, they're there, they're a decent enough young team in a very, very difficult group. They might do well, they might not. But it's just, it's not even secondary to everything. It's just, there's so many teams there. And, and as football fans... We're in this amazing generation. We get to watch so much football. We have access to so much football um, over the internet and over Twitter. We've, we can follow people who really know the Dutch league, people who really know the South American leagues. Uh, it just feels like as one big group of football fans, we're going into this tournament more kind of cultured and educated than we've ever been before. And as such, there's no games I'm looking at where I'm thinking I've absolutely no interest in that. I'm, I'm interested in every game. It's inter- it's interesting what you say there about England. You know, other than effectively the Sun making a decision to try to effectively colonise everything English, apart from obviously the semicircle in which I reside and some unfortunate uh, postman had to, had to go through some ridiculous things. Apart from them sort of, <laughs> them sort of deciding they're going to do that it isn't so much i don't think the the hodgson effect uh, in terms of managing the expectations it is as you say that everyone just seems that little bit less bothered that it seems to be slightly less of a almost like of an obligation or a chore i think also the kickoff times help so there's not all that nonsense about who's going to be let off work at 2 p.m and campaigns and x y and z the fact that it's all outside work time but it just seems the english aspect and it's easy to say in liverpool but i was down in london for a couple of days this week and looking at the press and the papers it just seems less of a thing doesn't it ian Absolutely. I've, I've been just walking down to Camden now. And all right, Camden's not really much of a football hotspot, but you just wouldn't think there's a World Cup on. You go past a couple of pubs and there's flags of 32 nations in the windows, but, but that's pretty much it. There's no St. George's. There's, a lot, the there's a lot of 32 flag stuff going on. I, when I was down in London, that's the other thing I noticed. There's a lot of 32 flags, not not one flag everywhere. And the Liverpool City Centre has been beautifully bedecked. It's not, thir- it's not one flag over and over again. It does feel like 32 flags. It does feel like that bit more of a festival. Yeah, yeah, and I, I really like that. And I, I think that's... That's just indicative of how much we're, we're we're going to enjoy this and get into it for you know all the right reasons. I say all this, we'll probably all be storming drunk on Saturday night, screaming our heads off at the referee for not giving a penalty that probably wasn't a penalty. I but most right definitely now, won't be in, but don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> right now, I feel fairly benign about the whole thing. Yeah, it's 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 one of the reasons why this sort of this this Miliband thing seems so just just seems so left field and so so misjudged. To be honest with you, I mean, my frustration with it isn't even Hillsborough related. It's 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 you know it's that Miliband took Murdoch on and it makes him practically unique as a British politician from the last twenty years. And then he won, and that made him definitely unique. And never you know, I mean, they don't celebrate the wins well enough that party. But you know, don't then pose with the epitome of everything that's wrong with Murdoch when at this time you know. When 
when you won that battle and then you end up in this situation where no one's that bothered. No one wants you to be that guy and no one even wants the country to be that country is the feeling you get. It just all seemed a little odd on left field, didn't it, Ian? It really did. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's time. been kept hostage for the picture. <laughs> this is a time when the nation has never been more split down party lines. We're practically in a return to the, the early 80s now. This is a battle between rich and poor, between red and blue. You're on one side or you're on the other. This is not the time to try and please everyone with a silly smirk on your face clutching a newspaper. This is a time to pick a team and fight for the team. And if Miliband doesn't get that right now, then then I'm seriously concerned about next year's election. Yeah, and when everyone sort of wants, everyone, there's, there's the, sorry, not everyone, but there's a large number of people who are, go, who, who are glad when he has those sorts of fights, the fight that he did have going, leading into Leveson and all that sort of stuff, and then to go, now I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have a look at what's going on the other side here let's have a little look at this it just feels so misjudged exactly exactly there, there, there needs to be some uh, some spirit there um funnily enough the man who, who lives at the end of my old street neil kinnock uh, I, I don't think you'd have seen him doing that sort of thing well no um i like the fact that neil kinnock lives at the end of your old street it makes me make me wonder a great deal about your old street um <laughs> <laughs> it evokes a great deal listen i'm gonna i'm gonna put a little bit of pressure on you and i'm gonna ask you for your your guesses and i accept they're just guesses guesses for the golden boot and well, I mean, after Neymar's two goals, like I say, he's uh, he's thirty three percent of the way there already. So I think I'll make that a safe bet. Oh, that's that's too cheeky. Uh, who are you going for for uh, for surprise package? You can't have um, Belgium or Chile. No, but see if Belgium drop out in the group stage, that's a surprise. Now everyone's so expectant yep. of Belgium that that no, you you definitely can't have that. Um, I think France will be. Uh, quite possibly semi-finalists and I don't think anyone would have seen that when they were fighting for their lives in the playoffs the other thing that happened when I did my predictor thing was that we uh, was that I ended up with a Germany versus Algeria second round match which would be beautifully bad tempered um, and, and yeah. very, it's one I very much hope happens uh, from a surprise <laughs> pack yeah <laughs> and, vengeance for the Antlers yes indeed uh, Algeria versus Germany let's hope that one comes about and lastly <laughs> who are you going for as winners if I absolutely put a gun to your head uh, Brazil, I still think. I know it wasn't very convincing, but remember in 2002 when they won it, they only just got past Turkey by virtue of a, yeah. I think, 88th-minute penalty. Um, Spain in 2010, they lost their first game against Switzerland. It's dangerous to read too much into the first round of matches. I think they will find their groove and go on and win it. Excellent stuff. Thanks so much to Ian. Thanks to Rob. Thanks to Christian. That's been this week's Anfield Wrap. Enjoy this feast of football that's in front of you. This is the Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9.